0: mixtape stories, where science fiction, humor, the search for meaning, and Gen X nostalgia meet. What if instead of an alien invasion, there was an alien invitation? Would we choose peace and prosperity even if it meant we were no longer in charge? In the aftermath of a U.S.-Soviet confrontation which nearly led to total annihilation, the United Gray Consortium descends to Earth to offer their superior civilizing services to any nation who chooses to join the consortium as a subsidiary. Assigned to emergency relief efforts in Canada, Gray Junior Officer Robin is convinced her kind represents the interests for all freedom-loving primates. However, her human counterpart Jake sees the Greys as colonizers. Despite their differences, they must work together as lives are at stake, but there's more going on than either could imagine. Join us for the three-episode miniseries, Gray Aliens Burden by Michael Juge.
1: I could not help but quiver with anticipation as the shuttle touched down onto the surface. The hatch opened to flood the cabin with the alien stars intense daylight. This was it. I was on my own now. From the edge of the platform, I waded into a sea of grass when it occurred to me that this was the first time I was touching actual Terran soil. Not concrete, not tile, but the earth itself. Overhead, I heard a mechanical roar as a shape cast onto the silver shuttle's fuselage. It was one of those jet-powered airplanes gliding on approach to land at Calgary International Airport out in the distance. The platform retracted, the hatch closed, and the shuttle silently shot back up into the atmosphere. Beyond the circular depression where the shuttle had been a moment ago, a human leaned up against a vehicle called a pickup truck.
2: Well, looks like I lost the bet. Spielberg was
1: right. The human remarked as he sauntered over towards me. I surmised he was male, judging by the temper of his voice and the whiskers along his jaw. Like others of his race, he had beady little orbs and comically saucer-shaped ears which complimented his bulbous nose and preposterously wide mouth. I believe other humans would consider him attractive. I was about to inquire about his colleague Spielberg when he
2: leaned over so our orbs could meet. Okay, you must be the gray I'm looking for. Welcome to the great blighted north.
1: Greetings, I expressed through my network. I am Robin, house 1412, junior service representative of the United Gray Consortium. I extended my hand to grasp his, a custom common among his people and felt the hair on his knuckles. And greetings to you. My name's Jake Stark. It is a
2: pleasure to meet you, Mr. Jake Stark. Hey, listen, um, since we're going to be working together, just call me Jake.
1: And you may refer to me as Robin. So, is that your actual name? I trilled slightly, amused by the question, and shook my head, which is the local way of expressing a negative. I replied, Gray naming conventions are different, as we do not utilize vocal communication. Jake rubbed his chin that jutted out preposterously, making a scratching sound, and
2: said, So if you're not actually talking, how is it that I'm hearing your voice?
1: My thoughts are spoken aloud through my network, which vibrates the air to produce the sound. Jake meditated on that for a moment.
2: Well, so long as you're not reading my mind
1: or anything, we're square. I had no clue how a geometric shape was relevant to our discussion. Jake loaded my supply of protein paste and luggage consisting of spare coveralls and two data pads into the cargo area of the pickup truck. And then he opened the passenger door, assisting me into the seat, which had a booster to accommodate my smaller gray stature. He said,
2: I'll take you to the hotel. It's nice. I heard they just got cable.
1: If you do not mind,
2: I would rather we
1: head straight to work instead.
2: lady on a mission. I like it.
1: With a turn of a key, the vehicle caught to life, emitting acrid fumes into the atmosphere. And we pulled out from the field onto the highway. The pickup truck was not piloted by AI, but rather by Jake himself. And we shared the road with other vehicles that were likewise piloted by these people. The radio was tuned to a program where a host was speaking, shouting, to be more precise, about the upcoming plebiscite. I clutched onto the passenger's grab handle in an effort to minimize being jostled about like cargo.
2: So, tell me about yourself. just arrived on Earth. I have been here for a few months now. A few months? That means you were there at first contact, right?
1: I nodded, as was the custom, and said, I was with the regional manager's landing party. Jake whistled, which I had surmised was a nonverbal expression for being impressed. Indeed, it was quite an accomplishment. I was a mere junior service representative, and yet I had been chosen to accompany regional manager Bob House 001 to serve as his cultural advisor on a first contact mission. Normally, a junior representative straight out of university would not be included in such a delicate operation. However, the situation on Earth was dire. The supertribes of the United States and the Soviet Union were on the brink of a full-scale nuclear war. The regional manager made the unprecedented decision to intervene in the hopes of preventing it. And he needed an expert on these people to guide him through the nuances of these Terran tribes and the conflicts that consumed them. I recently completed my dissertation on humans and he was impressed by my insights into the multifaceted ways they distinguish themselves along a myriad of contours, language, ethnicity, skin coloring, religion, nationality, even sports teams. Although considered an expert on humanity, My knowledge on these people was acquired solely through studying their radio and television broadcast signals, which provides an incomplete picture at best. There were so many nuances that no agriologist could learn about from afar. As I boarded the shuttle with the regional manager and his staff, I began to feel nauseous. I could be wrong about everything. As the shuttle's hatch sealed, I confessed, I do not believe I have sufficient knowledge of these beings to optimize our introduction. The regional manager looked at me with his wizened black orbs.
2: I understand your concerns, colleague. I too wish we had more time for study. However, there is no time to spare. We must go with what information we have.
1: But what if our arrival causes one side to launch an attack towards us? which could spur the other side to respond in kind. My thoughts, saturated in fear, broadcast to other graves within the cabin. Apologies for my outburst colleague, but they have never encountered another race before. Being on high alert as they are, our arrival could cause them to launch their missiles at us or each other. The regional manager leaned in. Our craniums touched so that only I could hear his thoughts as he expressed.
2: Your concerns are valid. We do not know what our arrival will do, but you know better than I that there are so few primate civilizations left. Do you believe that if we were to not intervene that they would resolve their conflict peacefully?
1: I tilted my head left in the negative. Sadly, I do not believe so.
2: We could not alter the path of those ancient civilizations he studied that chose Armageddon over Enlightenment. But we are here now, and we have an opportunity to prevent another fellow primate race from falling prey to their own nature and instead guide them towards prosperity. They need us, colleague. We are their last chance. Wow. Wow. So you were on top of the U.N. Secretariat building at first contact. Jake marveled, pulling me back into the present. The
1: radio is now tuned to a station playing western pop.
2: Nice to know that they've sent one of the bigwigs to Maple Leaf.
1: I am merely a junior service representative, I replied, going on the assumption that bigwig meant an executive. My and Network had trouble translating Jake's colloquialisms into gray telepathic standard. Primitive languages are convoluted, relying more on cultural context and subtle cues rather than literal meaning. Regardless, if I were such a bigwig, why did the regional manager feel I could better serve the consortium's mission by sending me way out here? after he established a working relationship with the local tribal leaders, like Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev. Jake shrugged.
2: Still, what's a gray like you doing in a place like this?
1: I thought you knew. I am assigned to assess the logistical needs for the relief efforts in Maple Leaf. (laughs) Jake let out haughty breaths, (laughs) baring his canine teeth. It was the human version of laughter, analogous to our trill. However, I found it unsettling, both because it was so loud and because I did not understand what I expressed that was so amusing. Perhaps Jake found my being sent out to an empty field to be entertaining.
2: (laughs) Sorry, it's not you, it's me.
1: Along the way, we passed a fuel station and I noticed the tribe's flag I turned to Jake. This community of Maple Leaf, it is named after the emblem on your country's flag, is it not?
2: The Maple Leaf is our country's emblem, but the town itself is actually named after the hockey team. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Ah, Toronto. I understand. Three years ago, the Americans accidentally launched a nuclear missile that struck the Soviet city of Krasnodar. The Soviets responded with a proportional strike on the American city of Cleveland, incinerating a city of equal size. The winds moved northeasterly from Cleveland, blowing the majority of the nuclear fallout towards Canada's largest city of Toronto. Jake gripped the steering wheel.
2: After Crask he managed to evacuate the majority of the city survivors out west in the hopes of remaining downwind of the fallout. Calgary was the only city that could handle the influx, and Maple Leaf, well, just sort of sprouted up from there. Crascleve,
1: I am told, is named after the two cities that were struck. But considering the carnage from the fallout, I believe they should have added Toronto into the abbreviation. Should it not? Jake nodded absently. And after a moment, he said
2: from the mouth of greys.
1: When we arrived at Maple Leaf, Jake gave me something called the Nickel Tour. It was obvious that most of the sprawling community had not existed before the evacuees arrived. The housing units were haphazard, even by human standards. Some were tents, while others were rectangular units that rested atop wheels. And to get to them, we had to traverse dirt roads, which made the highway appear modern in comparison. The hospital was one of the few buildings in the community that seemed sturdy enough to be considered a permanent structure. Inside, it was like choreographed chaos. Staff rushed from one wing to another as though exigency was a daily ritual for them. How many people does this
2: hospital serve, I asked. Right now, we're about 95,000 patients. It used to be more, but... Well, the patients with the most severe radiation sickness, it didn't make it through the first year of the cruel summer. Apologies. Cruel summer? His lips contorted
1: momentarily.
2: That's what we call the period after Crass Cruel
1: summer. It was another term that held more meaning than their vocal language could provide. Beyond the direct impact of the two major cities being incinerated, and the effects of the radioactive fallout itself, the ensuing panic from Krascleve led to a complete breakdown of what little order this world had beforehand. The global economy had been devastated. Agricultural, energy, and industrial production plummeted and the supply chains were severely hobbled. This led to revolutions and civil wars to spread throughout the planet. Many tribal governments collapsed, while larger tribes invaded other smaller tribes to acquire dwindling resources. This cruel summer nearly led to a total annihilation as the rush for resources culminated with the Americans and Soviets facing off over a drilling platform in the Arctic Ocean. That was when we arrived. Fortunately, the regional manager's decision to initiate first contact halted the Soviet-American standoff in the Arctic. It was not until we were in orbit that we grasped the severity of humanity's depraved conditions. My job was to coordinate with Jake logistical operations between what our fleet had in orbit to what their needs were in Maple Leaf. There were similar operations happening throughout the planet where disease and starvation ravaged much of the population. However, the consortium had limited resources with no supply chain in place between Earth and the consortium systems. The level of assistance we could provide to a planet of 4 billion was limited to what our fleet could carry. So most of our efforts had to be redirected to those tribes who immediately voted to take up our offer to incorporate as a subsidiary
2: in the United Gray Consortium. Most of the patients here are dealing with leukemia and cancer of the endocrine systems. Now we've been trying to ramp up our production of betamustine. Houston an oxyplatin for chemotherapy, but we're just not able to produce the quantities needed.
1: As we turned a corner,
2: he leaned down and whispered, "Hey, I heard rumors that your people have some kind of therapy to treat cancer."
1: I tilted my head right, but then remembered to nod for an affirmative and said, "Our network can identify and neutralize any errant cells that are
2: created." Oh, you mean those microscopic robots you have injected into yourselves? Jake's expression seemed to sour. To be honest, I was hoping for something less invasive.
1: I almost trilled at his irrational fear, but contained my mirth to express that the network is a proven technology. All stakeholders within the consortium are provided with the network. It not only allows us to communicate to the non-telepathic, it optimizes our health, seeking out and eliminating viral, bacterial, and genetic threats. I felt a tinge of pride describing a technology that has benefited all stakeholders, something that we take for granted. Naturally, the humans should accept the invitation to incorporate and become part of a modern civilization. Unfortunately, I added, Our fleet has limited supply available. Therefore, the network can only be provided to the newly admitted stakeholders.
2: Like Bangladesh,
1: Ireland, and Burundi. As they voted to incorporate, they are now stakeholders. Jake then made a guttural sound, which I surmised was an expression of disdain.
2: You mean fifth tier stakeholders, don't you?
1: Indeed. Any Terran collective choosing to incorporate as a subsidiary understands that they enter with fifth-tier status. This was clearly articulated
2: to all interested tribes. So in other words, they forfeit their sovereignty. You tell them what they can and they can't do. We stopped in the
1: middle of the hall as other humans passed by, all of them trying their best not to stare at me as I was their first alien. I waved and waited to reply. I believe you have mischaracterized the terms. While it is true fifth-tier stakeholders do not have a vote in the board of stakeholders, they are guaranteed the right to free speech and belief. And they do have their own local assemblies.
2: Yeah, but those assemblies, they don't legislate anything. You impose your rules onto them, and they don't have any say in it.
1: Our laws are premised on protecting every individual's civil liberties as well as promoting collective prosperity by ceasing actions that are counterproductive socially, environmentally, as well as economically. This ensures that all stakeholders are provided adequate housing, education, security,
2: and health care. Sounds a lot like communism.
1: I could feel my pulse rising. This simpleton had no concept of our economics. His own people's attempt at creating a just system of governance was abysmal. I try to remind myself that his race had only recently invented agriculture within the past 10 millennia and were still predominantly in the feudal stage. His attempt to understand modern civilization was like one of us primates trying to comprehend four dimensional space. We could not. Unlike those devious cephalopods, I chose my words with care. Our best practices evolved from over 100,000 years of societal development, which dwarfs your own. So I do not expect you to comprehend its elegance. What you should understand is that those new stakeholders, fifth tier as they are, now have priority for our services, meaning the network, which saves lives.
2: Well, given a choice between your utopia and freedom, I'd choose freedom every time. Such a decision based on your misguided notions about
1: us would be unfortunate for everyone here in Maple Leaf.
2: Jake blew through his teeth. (sighs) Look, I shouldn't have brought up politics. It's not why we're here. And I'll grant, given a choice between dying of cancer or becoming subject to you greys, One might choose the latter, but I wouldn't make that decision for my entire country.
1: So, am I to surmise that you will be voting no in the upcoming plebiscite? I asked sardonically before wisdom could restrain me. I felt foolish for my outburst, but Jake did not react in kind, but instead gave me a wan smile.
2: Let's just get back to the job at hand, shall we?
1: after work jake drove me over to the holiday inn the lady at the front desk was mesmerized by my presence i just wanted to say it's a real pleasure having you here she beamed your room's paid for however we're going to need a credit card for incidentals the united gray consortium had a line of credit having traded a metric ton of gold mined from a nearby asteroid for local currencies and i was provided with a platinum card I pulled out the strange looking piece of plastic from my coverall and handed it to her and asked, Is this it? Jake seemed to take a bit of pleasure in my uncertainty. What? They don't have money on your world? We do, but all transactions are automated, I replied. Let me
2: guess. By your networks."
1: You are a quick learner, Jake Stark. Jake smirked and proceeded to carry my bags up to my room. I was perfectly willing to carry my own luggage, but he insisted. Right, I got it, I got it. Once inside the unit, Jake made sure that I knew how to operate the lock and he set the environmental Make controls it. to God, my comfort what's level. 70 degrees in Celsius? He then handed me a slip of
2: paper with handwritten numerals on it. I'll pick you up tomorrow around seven. And if you need anything, that's my pager number.
1: I had never utilized their communications devices before. So Jake tutored me on how to operate the hotel room's telephone. For reasons that are not well understood, I had to dial nine in order to get in outside lined. Not an eight, nor a seven, I had to dial nine. Thank you for your assistance, Jake. If there is anything exigent, I will page you.
2: Night, Robin. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite.
1: I must have quivered nervously at the mention of bed bugs Because he raised his
2: hands. Uh, that's just an expression.
1: So, there are no bed bugs, correct? Jake shrugged.
2: I don't know. It's a motel. See you tomorrow, Robin.
1: After Jake left, and after running a thorough scan of the bed for bugs, I jumped onto the massive mattress and used the remote control to operate the television. Most of the programming was similar to the broadcasts i researched during my dissertation. But then I found a station dedicated to playing music videos called MTV. I must have missed this during my studies. I ate my protein paste and worked on my pad as music videos played. The conversation I had with Jake earlier still agitated me. I had just met him. But Jake seemed like a smart human being. By the existentiality, he had to understand that humanity's only hope was to incorporate so that mature primate races in the consortium could guide them towards modern civilization. He had to. I fell asleep with MTV on and had the wildest
0: dreams with the best music for background. Alan's- Join us next time for episode two of the three-part miniseries, Gray Aliens Burden.
2: Most of the background music has been provided by fesslian Studios. The following popular music are as follows. I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Jump by Van Halen. Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. And We Don't Need Another Hero by Tina Turner.